This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, 30-year leadership veteran of AT&T and current CEO of NWS, Xavier Williams. Hey, what you drink? Okay, I say we do this one more time. We're going to do this at the superior level because the guy that I'm bringing up here, he this guy has been there. He's done that a couple of times, more than a couple of times. And it is just an incredible pleasure of mine that uh, I get to run in the circles where I get to meet such amazing folks who are doing this at such a high level. And uh, you know, I had a conversation with him as we were getting ready to prepare for uh, an engagement we were doing together. And we just had such a great conversation. I, I felt like saying, hey, we don't know each other yet, but let's turn on the microphone and make the pre-conversation the actual podcast. So with that, it is my great honor to welcome Mr. Xavier Williams to Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. Welcome to the show, my man. Great. Thanks, David. Thanks. And I uh, appreciate the kind words. I hope I can live up to an inkling of that, an inkling of what you're trying to set up. Oh, man. I've got, I've got, no, I've got no doubt whatsoever that you will. Uh, but I got a question that my listeners know that it is their cue to start listening this is this is like it right so i'm giving them time to pull over i'm giving them time to to put the finishing touches on the email so that they can pay attention so here, here's the question that will kick this off so what you drinking <laughs> well well let me say this it's after work hours I typically would have a red cup, but I have a white styrofoam <laughs> cup today. And as one of my buddies says, um, I, I have some brown. I'm just going to leave it at that. I got some brown. <laughs> hey, hey, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with brown, man. <laughs> there, there's, an, there's an affinity bottle somewhere that is uh, digging what you're pulling right now. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> So that just means that I, I got to go, you know, I, I've done this a couple of times and, and my, my listeners have heard me uh, crack open this this Blanton's letter A a oh. couple of times. 
but I, I, I am I'm actually gonna finish this bottle. So I am finishing Blanton's number eight. Oh. Because that's how special this conversation is. Because you know, and again, the story, my, my association with Blanton's is is Blanton's used to be gosh, this must have been like seven or eight years ago. This used to be my everyday because we we oh, could wow. get we could get it anywhere. And it was like it was like forty dollars a bottle. But then the world got crazy and everyone found out how amazing this was. Now you can't find it anywhere. And when and when you do when you do find it, it's you know like 80, 90, 100, you know, it's hard for me to spend a hundred dollars a bottle when I'm used to getting it for 40. <laughs> but that was a <laughs> no, long time that, ago. That Blanton's, that Blanton's is something special. That is something special. I had a uh Real good friend of mine introduced me to that. I uh, look, I'm all things McAllen. <laughs> I'm all things McAllen, but and it's sort of funny. I always laugh as I've learned, and I guess I'll say I've gotten cultured when someone would say, "What's your favorite whiskey?" And I didn't realize, you know, Scotch, Bourbon—they're all whiskeys. And I would always differentiate between them. It's like, man, I don't drink whiskey. I drink McAllen, <laughs> and people would giggle at me. And then, you know, someone introduced me to bourbon. We uh, started going down to the Kentucky Derby. And someone introduced me to Blanton's. And um, Galen, that changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it changed yeah. my life. It is smooth. It is special. Ooh, I wish I ooh, You got the A, too? The oh, A. This is, this is letter A. So let me, let, me go ahead and, let me go ahead and crack this open so I can finish, finish this bottle off. This hurts. <laughs> this hurts. This really hurts. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. Don't do it like that. Come on, man. All right. That's that's the last the last drop of letter A. And as you as you guys have heard, uh you're supposed to keep uh all the uh all the horses. Absolutely. Uh because if you collect all of the letters, then it lines up to spell Blanton's and uh Blanton's will do a really, really nice job of of uh, sending you back a display piece for that, but I, I'm working on that. But I'm going to dig into this, into this Blanton's the last <laughs> of my letter A, and I would just love for you to share uh, just a little bit about your background, uh, so that my audience knows uh, what they are in store for hearing uh, as we get into this conversation. Yeah, so I uh, first of all, thanks for having me, man. I, I really appreciate the opportunity just to share with you and speak with you this evening. So Xavier Williams, I'm currently the uh, CEO of a company by the name of NWS Wireless. We are a infrastructure and solution provider uh, focused on the telecommunications industry. Um, we provide materials distribution, kitting and logistics, also do some custom cabling for uh, a lot of the telecoms uh, in the United States. And we also, through some acquisitions, are in Canada now. So um, nice little privately held company. We're actually owned by a incredible private equity firm by the name of Grain Management. So if any of y'all know David Grain, David is the, uh, and his firm are the primary investors in us and they uh, focus on the telecommunications space. So as CEO, responsible for strategy, growth, and getting this thing to the next level. We're scaling the business up nicely. Um, have been doing this for a little bit over six or seven months. Before that, I was running a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, 
called AVCT, American Virtual Cloud Technologies, which was focused on, if you're familiar with the uh, Unified Communications as a Service, Contact Center as a Service, Communication Products as a Service, all that different suite of products was a great experience where we took a company that was underperforming, did a couple of acquisitions and got it back on track. Um, so that was a really good experience. And before that, I did 30 years at AT&T, rose to the level of executive vice president. I retired as the uh, president of their public sector and first net businesses. Um, so public sector, think of anything focused on the federal government, state and local government, educational institutions. And FirstNet is the uh, first responder network. So as an outgrowth of 9-11, one of the, the uh, shortcomings that was found out during 9-11 was there was not interoperability between the communication networks, as an example, between the police uh, department, the fire department, the National Guard, et cetera, et cetera. And Lord forbid we ever have a you know, a natural, a natural disaster or a man-made disaster again, like 9-11. But one of the things that hopefully uh, is going to be alleviated is the lack of communication between the various parties that need to respond to that. And, uh, you know, at at and I had a, uh, you know, I guess I did okay, but I mean, I, <laughs> I uh, ran um, their customer service organization, business operations, small to mid-sized business, I'm sure I'm missing some things, but this had a really good career. And after 30 years, it was trying, it was time to go do something different. It was time to go do something different. And I've been very fortunate that uh, some folks have given me an opportunity continue to learn to continue and grow. Wow. There are just so many things that you are obviously qualified to help us talk through. Uh, I, you know, I actually, I, I'm going to go in reverse because usually I save this question to the end. But I, I just really want to start off with, with you helping me identify the connection, actually the name of this podcast, Whiskey Jazz Leadership, and just helping me articulate what's the connection between the, through, between the three. Because for me, it all connects in my mind, right? I mean, I, I love all three literally, but the metaphor fits me just because that's how I think. The metaphor of whiskey is doing what you enjoy with the folks you enjoy, regardless of what folks outside of your crew think about it. But, you know, this is this is just my thing with my boys, with my crew. Uh, so that's whiskey, the sociability of it. Uh, jazz is this idea of getting from where you are to where you need to be, even when there's no sheet music around, even when there's no script. That's good. You still have to get to this point on time, in key, you know, even if you, you know, even if you don't have uh, explicit direction, that's the metaphor for me. And leadership for me is this metaphor of marketing is great. Strategy is important, but nobody eats unless somebody kills something. <laughs> Someone needs to step up and say, enough is enough. We're going to make this thing happen starting right now. Yeah. Right. And so for me, that all connects in my, in my head. Does that hold water for anyone other than me? How does that metaphor fit with, with how you see things? It absolutely holds water for me. Um, I'm going to challenge you because one of the things for me that it does is I actually view it as whiskey plus jazz equals leadership. Ooh. And by that, I mean, 
we mentioned it earlier from a whiskey standpoint, whiskey has many forms. We talked about whiskey. We talked about bourbon. We talked about scotch. There are probably other things that are, are in the whiskey family, but at its clearest notion, there are some very basic fundamental elements to be considered a whiskey. Mm. When you marry that up with jazz and you think for me, jazz, um, you hit on it a little bit, but I characterize it as jazz is more about the art of music as opposed to the science of music. Mm. Wow. 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 Wait, hold up. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, back up, back up. You got to say that again, because that is really, that's strong. Yeah, I, look, for for me, jazz has always been more about the art of music as opposed to the science of music. And I, you know, probably like you, when you're a kid, you got to play an instrument in elementary or junior high school. You're learning the notes. You're just playing the sheet music. And as you said, a lot of times jazz, there is no sheet music. You're feeling it out as you go. And when I think about whiskey when i think about jazz and again think about whiskey coming in many forms thinking about jazz and that it's more art than science that's a lot of times how i view leadership in that their leadership comes in many different forms but there are some fundamental elements that are always present and every good leader it's more art than science you could write it down and you could try to document it but there's a certain savoir faire that you just i can't describe it but it has to be there and from a leadership standpoint it's about authenticity so when i think about you know everybody has taste in whiskey everyone has taste in jazz they tend to evolve they tend to change and all of those different things i view that as a reflection of your leadership style and how you should grow as a leader wow well, we're getting, we're jumping right in. So I, I mean, I should have warned everyone that you're gonna need you're gonna need something to write with because this conversation is going to really cause you to evaluate some things. And we're gonna add some things to what you might be considering, but you, you're probably gonna end up reevaluating some things because that is what happened to me the first time I met uh, you, Xavier. You you really had me reevaluating some things that I always just just considered to be, uh, you know, a postulate. But one of the things, and I brought this up in my conversation with another friend, uh, an acquaintance of mine and a friend of yours, Mr. Keith Pegues, uh, I brought up some advice that I got from one of my mentors. And he said, along the lines of what you were saying, he said, uh, you know, Galen, leadership is really about instincts. And if you've got to think too much, if you've got to second guess too much about what the quote unquote right thing to do, then there's a moment there. And in that moment, have you missed the opportunity? And so it's really about instincts. And and I, I don't know, I just that came to mind when I heard you talk about those three years that I terrorized my my parents with trying to learn <laughs> to play the clarinet. I mean, I just terrorized them, you know. It wasn't instinctual to me. Right, 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 right. That goes back to that authenticity that you got to find your own voice mm. and you got to find the instrument that is your own voice. And a lot of that has to do with leadership. You got to be really authentic and you can watch others. You can 
listen to others. You could read books, but you got to find your own voice, your own instrument and be able to iterate off of that. Now, now talk a little bit about that transition for you, because I, I assume that you were much like a lot of other people were, you know, in the beginning of your career, uh, you know, you start trying to emulate the people that you've seen in the books. Uh, you start trying to dress like and walk like those those mentors. At best, you get you become a, a relatively average copy of those people. But it's not until to your point that you step into your own shoes, that you find your own voice, that you really find that authenticity. What was that transition like for you? It's sort of interesting from this vantage point. So from a corporate standpoint, most of us start off as individual contributors. Then you're a manager of individual contributors. Then you're a manager of managers. Then you're a manager of a business function. Then you're the manager of the business. And in each of those, I learned that there's going to be a rite of passage from a leadership perspective. When you're an individual contributor, you have to lead yourself and you have to believe your own self and be able to achieve the things that you're supposed to achieve. And a lot of people miss that, that if you can't lead yourself, how are you going to lead others? If you don't believe, if you're not living up to your own capabilities, how are you going to expect other people to follow you? So that was one of the first things that I had to learn about my voice that I can watch other people, but can I hold my own self accountable? From there, it was really around, okay, most people, they want honesty, they want truth, and they want to be able to trust the people that are their quote unquote bosses. And you have to figure out what that means to you. Because, and I always laugh, no matter the level, whenever I walk into a room, I always look for the cross-armed people who are like, okay, who is this guy? What, what is he going to say to us? And I, uh, I heard uh, a guy say it to me one day, one time he said it to me this way. He said, same circus, different clowns. <laughs> and it was like, okay. So, you know, basically all the leaders are clowns. So what are you bringing or what are you trying to espouse? So from there, it was really about, Galen, it really was about, okay, who am I? What do I want to be known for? And how do I articulate and be true to myself and also true to the mission of what I'm trying to do? So when you ask the question related to leading people and finding your voice, it's those moments when there are folks that are looking at you. You got to make sure that you know who you are what you're trying to deliver. I literally had a conversation with a young man today and it's a lesson that my wife taught me and I'm not trying to get spiritual on you early in the conversation before the brown kicks in, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say this up front. One of the things that helped me find my voice was my wife said to me, and she didn't say it to me. She said it to someone else that I was in the vicinity of. She said, Xavier works for God. He works at AT AT&T. Understand the difference of what you're trying to do. Every one of us has a God-given purpose, and you should bring that to work. You need to bring that to work. And part of that for me was finding that voice of who was I in Christ and being able to bring that to work and being authentic around that. So it wasn't around, now good, bad, or indifferent. We all got to play these corporate games and all that different type of stuff. 
But, you know, what does the Bible say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God. You got to understand that balance. And that factors into how you lead people and how you communicate with people. Man, I, I am. I actually just had this conversation with one of my clients. And the way that I usually package that is around every leader needs to have what I call a leadership platform. And by a leadership platform, it's it's basically every politician has a political platform so that you can know what they stand for and whether or not you should vote for what they're wanting to do. And you can you know whether or not to follow them. Every leader should have uh, just this understanding of who they are, what they stand for, so that other people can know whether or not to follow them. And it's important to have that before you get into leadership, because very often, once you become the head of AT&T, division of whatever, whatever, you're on display. It's like, if you don't know who you are, it might be too late to figure it out because so much is coming at you. How important would you say that it is that you do that kind of work to understand who you are beforehand? Not only is it essential, Galen, it's very important that you document it. And for me, I every job I take, which good, bad, or indifferent, I've taken a new job every two to three years, even, you know, even in a large company, rotating assignments and stuff like that. And there were always three things that I would articulate to people up front. Accountability. And, and let me step back. I had a mentor explain it to me this way. What are your standards? What are your standards of leadership? And I found out over the years, it is accountability, always trying to do your best, and integrity. Those three things. And, he, and the way he explained it to me, Nowadays, we use the term going from zero to 100. What could take you from zero to 100 real quick? And it was those things for me that if someone wasn't being accountable, if I knew someone wasn't trying their best, or if there was an interest or an issue around integrity, those take me from zero to 100. And that became my leadership platform. And I would always articulate, you know, what is accountability? Doing what you say you're going to do. And I would always tell people, and it's actually cultural, too, to a certain extent that you got to understand this. If I ask you to do something as a leader and you're not going to do it, I respect you more if you say, hey, man, I'm not doing that. OK, we could deal with that later, but at least I know where you're coming from and we can adjust accordingly so I can make sure the work needs to get done. So accountability is real important. Always doing your best. And I know you got a little bit of a sales background. So I would always articulate, especially to the salespeople, is we were always on quotas. And if you got 100% of your quota, you got 100% of your commission. And I would always tell people, like, you do know if you're at 80 or 90% of your quota, we're getting more out of you than you're getting out of us. And you know, doing your best, getting to 100%, that's table stakes. That's not, hey, you get 100% isn't an A, 100% is probably a C. <laughs> and you got to go above that. But it was always, how do you make sure you're really doing your best and trying to deliver at the highest level you can? And then integrity was just always just important to me. And again, it's, you know, it's trust. It's making sure that it goes back to the accountability idea. And just trying to do the things that you need to make sure that you are true to who you are 
And that became my platform, Galen. That was always my platform. There were other things that grew off of it. There was a baseball pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers named Oral Hershiser. And he would always share this story of, hey, I could throw my best pitch ever and somebody could hit it. <laughs> it was like it was inevitable that I could do everything right, but somebody could still hit the ball. And he said, because of that, I've learned that I can't fail if I think about execution as opposed to results. Have I done what I'm supposed to do? And then the results are going to take care of themselves because then he would make the statement. Now, that being said, if I do throw my perfect pitch, most of the time people can't hit it, but it's not inevitable. But he said that. So I learned to pay attention to, hey, how do I execute against certain things? Another thing that I've learned from a a leadership platform standpoint is basically 80-20 rule. And I call it 80-10-10. Outwork, outthink, or change the game. Good, bad, or indifferent, I've conditioned myself. I'm going to outwork 80% of the people I deal with. I'm just going to work harder than them. So that's 80%. Now they're 10%. Not only am I going to have to work hard, I'm going to have to figure out how to outthink them Mm. because they might be better athletes than me. They might be, their dad may be a VP in the company that I'm never going to be able to overcome that. So how do I outthink that and change? Then the last thing is, how do I change the game? That's the last 10%. If I can't outwork you, if I can't outthink you, I got to change the game. I got to change the game. So over the years, I've used those as the planks of who I am from a leadership standpoint. And I make the point to tell people when I go into a job, I share this with them. And I say, judge me in six months, judge me in a year to see if that's who I am. And if, and guess what? Some of it may evolve. Some of it may evolve, but I'm trying to hold myself accountable by sharing that with people as opposed to saying, you know, you got to figure me out. I'm the boss, figure me out. I try to go lay it out up front. I love it. I love it. And, you know, just really in line with what I share with my clients. And, you know, actually, I'll just give you the five questions that I have my clients answer up front. Uh, And this is in vain of trying to help them determine their leadership platform, because I'm, I'm not telling anyone how to run their life. I barely got my own life figured out. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but here, here, here are the five questions that I challenge everyone. Number one, who are you? And this is about brand identity. This is about, you know, your walk uh, for you. Your your Christian walk is really, really important. But who are you? How How would you explain who you are? And that's about brand identity. And sometimes it's easier to back into that answer by describing who you're not. Right. It's very clear who I'm not. And then by process of elimination, I might I might land on who I am. But that's the first question. Who are you? The second question is, why are you here? And that's about mission. What's your purpose? What's your why? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, why does one person have uh, all of your strengths, all of your weaknesses, all of your experiences and happen to be born at this particular point in history? Why are you here? Uh, number three is where are you going? That's what's your mission. Uh, what's your vision of the life? What uh, of life? What's your vision of, for the company, for the community? 
if if President Biden were were to just call you for advice, what would you tell him? Right? What's what's your vision? Where are you going? And then and then who's going with you? How can you identify like-minded people who are on the same journey as you? They may be farther down the path. Therefore, that might be someone that you could approach as being a mentor. They may be behind you, and therefore, uh, you you might want to offer some mentoring or some advice to them. They may be alongside of you, therefore, uh, great accountability partners or share group members or mastermind. But who's going with you? How can you identify who's going with you? And then the last question, and a lot of times people say that this is the toughest question, uh, but it's the last question. How can anyone tell your answers to the first four questions? How can anyone tell? So by observing you and watching your behavior, and this is what you were saying about six months from now, judge me, you know, a year from now, judge me. How can, any, how can anyone tell what you're about, who you are, why you're here based on your behavior as opposed to the words that you've written down uh, as a platform? Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.